All right, so Luke chapter 10, where we're at today. Of course, with it being Christmas, is one, probably uh, pastors are preaching from this passage all over the country, but I want to uh, focus on one part. Notice what it says in verse 10. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God and on the, in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And I want to speak this morning on the significance of that statement made by the angel when he said, Peace, goodwill toward men. These words were extremely good news, was extremely good news, yet the world was mostly unaware of this fantastic news that this angel is proclaiming. But I, I do want to describe exactly what was taking place that day. Because these words that the angel spoke, it was the greatest news that earth or the world could ever have received. But again, sometimes there's the good news that we're trying to present to people. Uh, they, don't understand, they don't know the bad news, therefore they don't understand how good news it is. And that was the state of the world at this time. While what the angel is saying is something that should have literally brought joy to the world. Uh, most of the world did not notice what was going on. The shepherds did not fully understand what was going on. But it does not change the fact that what they spake that day was in fact good tidings of great joy to all people. That statement, peace, goodwill toward men, that was more than just a statement, but it was the statement that was backed up with something. And I think as we go through this message, we'll understand this. I think there's some things that we can relate to, things that we would all understand. But it was, this was, it was not an uncommon practice back in those days. And it has been this way throughout history where you would have kingdoms that would be at enmity with each other. They had bad history amongst each other. And sometimes this history would go on for decades and even centuries. These things could go on where you had these kingdoms that didn't really like each other. In fact, it's still that way today where a lot of the battles that we're seeing fought in different parts of the world today, our news media is always telling us these things are just completely unprovoked. You know, the Ukraine invasion, the, you know, the, uh, the, the Hamas attack on Israel. But that's really not true if you know anything about history. These countries have been fighting forever. That's one thing that we'll, that we understand who actually pay attention to stuff. And so because there's all this hostility, those of us who understand history and just the world, we're not that surprised whenever occasional outbursts take place. Because there is. There's been enmity between these kingdoms for a very, very long time. And sometimes, you know, the world, they often, you know, don't really, as long as they don't hear about bombs falling today, everybody thinks things are okay. But in reality, there are sometimes good people behind the scenes hoping they can work out some kind of peace deal or something because they understand things are building. They understand that there's a problem. They, they get reality and they want to see if we can do something to maybe stop a major battle or a major war from taking place. You know, our, our, there's a lot, been a lot of talk lately about World War III. Why? Is it because people are bombing each other in certain places because America is being bombed? No, not yet, but we understand there's some enmity between our country and other nations. There's a lot of hostility 
in the world. And so, you know, there, a lot of people are kind of expecting something big to happen, while a lot of the world is clueless about what's going on. And understand that throughout history, there's been a major problem between mankind and God. Man has been sinning since the beginning of time, and it has created hostility between man and God. Mankind has been treasuring up wrath uh, from God for a very, very long time. There's been hostility, you could say, between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of earth. And so what the world did not realize is that, hey, we need some, we need something to, to make peace. We need something to happen to fix what's going on. And the reality is God sending Jesus to earth, this is him reaching out, trying to make peace with man. Well, that's, that's what we're going to see. And so what they would often do back in the day in different kingdoms is they would often send a messenger to speak on behalf of the king. They would sometimes even send precious gifts along to the other king as a sign of goodwill. The king would hear the message. The king would see the gifts and they could choose to receive those gifts and make peace. But you know what? Sometimes those kings would be evil and they would not accept the gifts. Or maybe they would receive the gift, they would take the gifts and then they would treat the messenger bad and send them away. And that would be a great sign of hostility. Here you had a king. He's like, I sent a messenger trying to reach out. I understand we've had problems over the years, but you know what? I'm trying to make things up. I sent you these great gifts. Remember the queen of Sheba when she came to Solomon? She came bearing great gifts, didn't she? And then, you know, Solomon too, he ended up sending her away with many gifts. And kings would often do that with each other. Nations that had uh, bad history, they would often do these things because they wanted to make peace. They didn't want to have war. They didn't want to have some kind of battle. And so understand, when God sent Jesus to earth, there has been 4,000 years of hostility between man and between God. And understand, man was in the wrong across the board. God never did anything wrong. It was always man that did the wrong. But God, he looked down on man. God loved man. And God said, you know what? I want to make peace with these people. And so God sent a goodwill offering to man. And that goodwill offering that God sent to man was Jesus Christ. And we see in Romans 5, 6, you say, well, what's the significance of that? We'll see the significance of that. So Romans 5, 6 says, For when you were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we should be saved from wrath through him, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we should be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after this multitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. 
Adam's sin that he committed in the garden was rebellion against God. Man's sin, man fell that day, and that sin and that death, it passed from Adam to all men because something that we all have in common without exception with our ancestor Adam is we have all sinned as well. Every single one of us, no exception, we have all sinned. And what was coming to man because of this sin was God's wrath. God is going to judge the world because of sin. God prophesied with Enoch, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints to execute judgment upon all that are ungodly. And guess what? We were all ungodly. And man is treasuring up all this wrath against God. We see it in Romans 2, 5. It says, But after thy hardness and penitent heart, treasurest up wrath unto thy so, or wrath, under thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. That wrath that God was going to bring on the world, it was righteous. It was just. You know, many of the battles and things that we see being fought today is, you know, and, and I, is, for example, the latest Hamas attack on Israel. I don't believe that that was righteous wrath against Israel. I think Israel, I think there's been a lot of sin going on between the Israelis and the Palestinians. They've both been sinning against each other. But understand, I also don't believe that the wrath that they are inflicting upon each other is righteous. But let me tell you something. The wrath that is coming on this world by God, you better believe is righteous. You better believe is just. You better believe the world will get everything it deserves. And God will be holy and righteous in His judgment. But I don't know about you, I prefer to not experience that. I prefer to not have that. And it says, notice, it says, "...who will render to every man according to his deeds." To them who my patient continuance and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life, but unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil, of the Jew first and also the Gentile, but glory, honor and peace to every man that worketh good to the Jew first and also the Gentile, for there is no respect of person with God. So here in Romans 2, it's saying, hey, if you do good, you've got peace. But everybody stops reading right there. And if we go to Romans chapter 3 and verse 10, you know what it says? As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Hey, did you know, folks, if you're doing good, you're not going to go to hell. If you're doing good, the wrath of God's not on you. But the Bible says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. It says, there is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Are, are we really that bad? Well, according to you, and according to other men, or according to God? Because according to God, it says, their throat is an open sepulcher, and their tongues they have used deceit, the poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. For we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight for the, by the law as the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God made without law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by the faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So all men are sinful. All men deserve the wrath of God. That was the state then. That was the state now. 
mankind has to treasure up wrath against God. But even though there's all this hostility, we have done all this wrong. Man has rebelled against God. We have sinned against God. God looked at man and God said, you know what? I want peace. I want peace with man. And so God sent a goodwill offering to mankind as an attempt, in an attempt to make peace with man. And notice what it says. Sort of being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set before to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. So mankind was under the wrath of God because of their sin and rebellion. But sadly, most men were, in fact, ignorant of this. And it's the same thing today. Even today, it says there is no fear of God before their eyes. Most of our world is not shaking in fear at the thought of God coming and bringing wrath on them. You know why? Because nobody's told them that it's coming. Nobody's told them that they deserve it. Nobody, nobody's sharing these things with them, but it's coming whether they know it or not. Whether they like it or not, it's coming. Mankind is under God's wrath. And for 4,000 years at this point in the story, man has been treasuring up wrath from God. Man has sinned, rebelled, yet God still loved the world. God loved his creation that had turned on their creator. We live in a country today that many people are offended by the term creator and our government schools are teaching people that they don't even have a creator. I mean, what a shame that is and what an insult that is to the creator. What rebellion that is to the creator. And we see in Titus 3, 3, it says, For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared... Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. God's goodwill offering to mankind was a gift to the world wrapped in swaddling clothes the Bible says, laying in a manger, it was a child. It was a baby. But folks, what was this child? He wasn't just God manifest in the flesh, even though he was God manifest in the flesh. This isn't just the Son of God, even though he was the only begotten Son of God. Do you understand this baby that God put on the earth, that the angels were celebrating? This was full payment for the sin debt of the world. God, understand, God looked at man, they deserve death. Man deserves to die for their sins. They deserve it. Payment must be made. And what God did to make peace with man is God said, I'm giving you my son. I'm paying your debt for you. That's what Jesus Christ is, ladies and gentlemen. That's what people are supposed to be celebrating. That's what our whole world should be celebrating right now. Instead of Santa Claus, instead of Frosty the Snowman and Rudolph and all those things, man should be celebrating the fact that God looked at man who had treasured up all this wrath against himself that deserved judgment. And God came and 2,000 years ago, God said, 
Here is payment for your sins. This, this is what you owe me. You owe me your life. You owe me, you owe me your life. But you know what? I am going to send my son to give his life for you as payment. I'm paying your sin debt. Folks, that's the biggest thing there is. That is, that is the biggest offering that could ever be made. There is nothing that we could ever give back to God. And there's nothing that we need to give back to God as payment for our sin. God gave it as a goodwill offering to man. Think about it. Most people today, when they talk about goodwill, it, you know, it's about donating and giving things to the poor. And I'm all for that kind of stuff. But folks, the goodwill, the peace, goodwill toward man. Most people, when they say that, it's all about we need peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Meaning, let's all get all the nations making peace with each other. And boy, that would be great if that happened. But understand that phrase, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. That is about peace between God and man. That's what it's about. And understand that the goodwill is not something that we gave God. It's something that God gave us. God sent these angels as a messenger. And God, and, and God gave that son... They saw that child there wrapped in swaddling clothes. And while it was not a glorious sight as far as anything that man can see, it was a glorious thing in the eyes of God. Something that we need to all get a hold of when it comes to Bible prophecy is that there are many prophecies, especially from the Old Testament, that are spoken of in very glorious ways, in very glorious language. But yet, when we go to the New Testament and we see the fulfillment of these things, they're not really that spectacular. But the thing is, God is speaking of those things and how He sees them, rather than how we see them. Jesus Christ being born and placed in a manger... A feeding trough for animals, that's not a glorious sight. A child wrapped in swaddling clothes by a poor mother and father is not a glorious sight. A people on their way to going to Bethlehem to, you know, to be taxed. They can't even find a place. They can't find any room in the end. There's nothing glorious about that sight. Yet at the same time, do we not love that sight as Christians? Do we not love the nativity scenes and all these things? You know, because some of us, we understand while it was not a glorious thing to behold, Physically speaking, what was taking place there spiritually is very glorious. It is the most glorious thing that there is. And so understand, when we see that baby in the manger in the Scriptures, we need to understand this was a goodwill offering that God is making to man. It's like, listen, I want to have peace with you. I'm paying your debt. I'm paying your sin debt with my son. All this wrath that you have treasured up against me, I'm going to let it all go. Here, I, 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 God, I'm not going to sacrifice my holiness to do it. Sin must be paid for, but I'm going to let my son pay sin. And he's going to live a sinless life. He's going to fulfill all those laws. He's going to keep all those laws, Israel, that you weren't able to keep. And Jesus was circumcised on the eighth day. Jesus, uh, Jesus' parents did take him. And they offered up the two turtle doves, which was an offering you had, that you would do if you were poor. They were a poor family. They kept all these things in the law. Jesus lived a perfect and a sinless life. And he went and he died on the cross. But go ahead and turn over to Hebrews chapter 10. Jesus was the payment for the sin debt of the whole world. And this was God's goodwill offering to man. Look at what it's. And so I want us to go through Hebrews chapter 10 because this is important that we get a hold of these things. It's so important that we understand exactly what took place that day. But because... 
you know, often we don't, we don't have the faith to believe what the Word of God says. And, and people, unfortunately, they do, they see these things in just very earthly ways. But what God did that day was so glorious that it's, it's something we must make sure we proclaim and we tell everybody about. But Hebrews 10.1 says, For the law having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never, with those sacrifice, which, sacrifices which they offered year by year continually, make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered, but that the worshippers once purged should have no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices there is remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldst not, but a body hast thou prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, in the volume of book it is written of me to do thy will, O God. Above when he saith, Sacrifice and offerings and burnt offering and offering for sin thou wouldst not, neither has pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Folks, what is the offering for sins? It's the body of Jesus Christ. Did we produce that? Is that something that came from man? It's No, it's something that came from God. If it was something man could produce, man's the one making the payment. But understand, Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. Anything that man could have produced, anything that man could have accomplished, specifically through the law, would not have been acceptable to a holy God. Understand, the offering for sin that was made was something that God gave to the world. God gave His Son. A body has thou prepared. And it says, and every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Think about it. Israel, they were doing sacrifices all the time. They were doing sacrifices every year. As a nation, they should have understood, hey, we've been making, we've been given all these offerings. We've been making all these sacrifices. We've been doing these things to have peace with God. And God was trying to show them that, hey, those things, they, they, they served a purpose for a time. They were a shadow of things to come. But what God did, God came along and God said, you know what? Here's the final sacrifice. Here, here is a sacrifice that not only will do the job of removing sins permanently, but then you'll never have to give another sacrifice again. Think about that. Well, isn't that good news? Shouldn't that have been something Israel had been excited about? Isn't it a shame to think that there are people who claim to be of Israel today who are wanting to build another temple and are wanting to give sacrifices again? When God already came along and said, I paid for your sins. I, I, gave, an, I gave a good offering. I gave a once and for all offering that will never have to be given again. And it says, From henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Whereof the Holy Ghost also is witness to us. For after that he had said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and in their minds while I write them, and their sins and iniquities while I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. So that baby laying in a manger was God's goodwill offering to man. Jesus was God's way of making peace with mankind. God hadn't done anything bad to man, but man had done nothing but evil 
to God, but yet God comes along and God says, I, I love you, I want to make peace with you, and I'm paying your debt for you with my only begotten son. Now, here's why I've been going here through Hebrews chapter 10. Because this is what we all need to get a hold of. Okay, So, you know, think about it. Imagine you're a king of a nation. And you do. You want to make peace with another nation that's really bad. And just and imagine if you were to go and in an attempt to make peace with that mate, that nation, you went and you sent them a whole bunch of gifts. You sent them all this gold and you sent them messengers. And then imagine if after you sent them all those things, they went and took those gifts and then they went and they just threw it all away. And they went and they killed the messenger that you sent too. What would you as a king in that situation do? Especially if you're the more powerful king. You know what? You'd feel pretty justified at that point in bringing wrath on those people, wouldn't you? And so look what it says in verse 19. Having bold, therefore, brethren, boldness to enter in by the holiest, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promised. So if you want, so let's just say for a second that you were a part of the nation that an offering is given to by this king. Okay, well, you know, who are we fighting with right now, all right? China? All right, okay. But, you know, let's just, let's just say, you know, you know, there's some countries that they'll tell you, that you don't really want to go to because there's a lot of hostility. In fact, one of the places I would love to visit someday is Egypt. I want to see the pyramids. I'd love to do that. But I had somebody a while back tell me it's not good for Americans to go to Egypt. They don't like Egyptians, or Egyptians don't like Americans very much right now. And so that kind of makes me a little nervous because I'd like to see the pyramids, but I don't want to die for it. I don't want to see it, I don't want to see it that bad. But we know, so we know there's hostility between our kingdoms right now. But at the same time, if Egypt did some great act for our country, if they did something that showed great love for our country, you know what? It would make me feel a lot safer going over there. Hey, Egyptians, they really like us. Look at what they did for us as a people. I don't think there's any more hostility. Look at the sacrifice that they made. Look at this gift that they gave. I think... There is favor between us and them right now. And that's what it's saying here in Hebrews. When we consider what God did for us, it ought to give us boldness to enter into the presence of the Lord. He's not against us. He's for us. Look at what He gave us. God will say, that's why nobody should doubt that if they will call on the Lord for salvation, He will save them. Why wouldn't He? Look what He did for you. He sent His Son to pay for your sins. So people, they ought to, with, with great confidence, be able to come to God and say, Lord, I want that gift of eternal life. Boy, He'll give it to you. He, if He spare not His own Son, and then, and then even to save people, we shouldn't be afraid to ask God for things. I mean, if He gave His own Son, save us, why wouldn't He give us lesser things if we, if we need these things? We ought to have boldness. But let's keep reading verse 24. This is, again, this is for those who have received this goodwill. Then he goes on to say, let us consider one another to provoke unto good, love unto good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully, 
After we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and have done despite under the Spirit of grace. For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me, and I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Let me ask you, what do you think God would do to a nation that he sent his son to, that he sent his messengers to, and they killed the messengers, that he sent his son to as full payment for their sins, and they said, this is the heir, let us kill him and season his inheritance, who rejected the offering, who rejected this gift, who rejected this payment. What do you think God is going to do to those people? Well, in Luke 20, verse 9, it says, Then began he to speak to the people this parable. A certain man planted a vineyard and led it forth to husbandmen and went to a far country for a long time. And the, at the season he sent a servant to the husbandmen that they should give him of the fruit of the vineyard, but the husbandmen beat him and sent him away empty. And again he sent another servant, and they beat him also and entreated him shamefully and sent him away empty. And again he sent a third, and they wounded him also and cast him out. Then said the Lord of the vineyard, What shall I do? I will send my beloved son. It may be they will reverence him when they see him. But when the husbandmen saw him, they reasoned among themselves, saying, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, that the inheritance may be ours. So they cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. What therefore will the Lord of that vineyard do unto them? He shall come and destroy these husbandmen and shall give the vineyard to others. And when they heard it, they said, God forbid. And he beheld them and said... What is this then that is written? The stone which the builders rejected, the same is become the head of the corner. Whomsoever shall fall upon that stone shall be broken, but on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. Folks, rejecting a goodwill offering from a king, even on this earth, is going to create problems. You know what? Whenever people reach out in goodwill, whenever even there's this hostility maybe between two people, okay, maybe you've been there before where you've been at odds with somebody, you were at enmity with somebody, and often we might go and we might try to do some kind of act of goodwill. Why? To try to mend that relationship, to try to fix those things. And it's not a pleasant thing when it's not received, isn't it? I mean, just think, even us, when we have some fault, most of the time when there's a conflict, there's some fault to go around. And whenever we try doing some kind of goodwill offering that's not received, we don't take it very well. And let me tell you something, a world that rejects God's goodwill offering to man is in big trouble. They're they're in big trouble. And understand, this is what the angels were saying. When the angel said, peace, goodwill toward men, that goodwill offering was Jesus Christ. It was payment for the sins of of the whole world. And this is why there can only be peace with God through the Son, Jesus Christ. We must accept the goodwill that God has sent us. We must accept it. it no, we don't give goodwill to God. Okay, you repenting of your sins, you becoming religious, you doing all these things, that's you giving goodwill to God. No, you have to accept the goodwill 
that God gave to you. You've got to accept the goodwill that God gave to man. Okay? You don't give goodwill to God. He didn't do anything to you. You're, you're not showing God any kind of mercy. No, you need to accept the mercy, and that's what he did. That, that he, him sending his son, that's him abundantly shedding that mercy on us. And understand, as believers today, who are those of us who are saved, those of us who have accepted that goodwill that God has offered to man, did you know that it is our job today to be angels or messengers? Just like these angels that day proclaimed to these shepherds the peace and the goodwill that God gave to man, that, to a world that didn't really know what was going on. I mean, th- think about how little of an impact this had on Bethlehem that day. If it weren't for the shepherds seeing this sight with the angels, Bethlehem wouldn't have known. And we see that they went and they started telling people in the town. But understand, we are living in a world today that is in darkness. We are living in a world today that is asleep to what's going on. They have no idea the wrath that is coming on them. They have no idea, even though we're celebrating Christmas tomorrow, most of our world does not understand what Jesus Christ was, how he was God's goodwill offering to man. This is God trying to make peace with man. They still don't realize we are under God's wrath. If if you're not saved, you are under God's wrath. Judgment day is coming and God has told man, I want to make peace with you. Here's, here's the offering. I've paid it in full. Most people don't know that. And so you know what we have to do? You know what we have been called to do? We have been called to go and be messengers to the world. And that's what we do whenever we go and we give the gospel to people. You know what we're telling them? God, your sin debt's been paid. You know what we're doing? We're sharing goodwill to men. Think about how many goodwill organizations do everything but give goodwill. The real goodwill. They come... Tell, they, they, Jesus Christ. Guess what? If you're not spreading Jesus Christ, you're not really spreading goodwill. Not in the biblical sense. They'll use these Bible terms, especially around Christmas. How many places will you see? Your peace on earth, goodwill toward men. But how many of these people understand? No, that peace on earth. It doesn't mean peace between America and Russia and Israel and Hamas and all that kind of stuff. No, it means peace between man and God. It's peace between man and God. That's what we need. God offered goodwill to men. God gave a gift To the earth. It was wrapped in swaddling clothes. It looked like just an ordinary baby. It didn't look like anything special. But this baby was the only sacrifice that would be acceptable to God. And that baby grew up, lived a perfect life, died on a cross, paid for our sins, rose again. And our only hope of getting into heaven is accepting that gift. Accepting the goodwill that God offered a man. And as believers, we need to be those angels or messengers. It's our job to tell the world about the goodwill that God gave to mankind. It's our job to let the world know. You've treasured up wrath again from God because of their sins. But God has shown His love. God sent an offering for our sin debt. It was paid. Imagine if China, who we've been at enmity with, if they came along and they said to America, we're canceling your debt to us. You know what? I'll bet the politicians would start saying nicer things about China. I'll bet bet they would. I'll bet Trump would say nice things to China if if, if that happened. I'll bet Biden would say that if they canceled our debt, all that money that we owe them. And imagine if they did that and then all of a sudden we went and dropped a nuke on them. You know what? They'd be pretty mad. I think they'd feel justified in doing just about anything. 
And understand, that's what it is when we are rejecting Jesus Christ. Hey, I paid your sin debt for you. You sinned against me. And I paid your debt just out of love. And you're going you're gonna to refuse that? Guess what you're going to get? You're getting the full brunt of my wrath. You're going to die and you will spend eternity in hell. And so understand, the only way that we can have peace on earth is to accept the goodwill toward men from God. We must accept Jesus Christ. Not peace. It's not about peace between men and men, but peace between man and God. Jesus Christ is where that peace can come from. And so hopefully we understand. Hopefully when you see peace, goodwill toward men out there, you're going to know what that means. You're going to, you're going to understand that. And hopefully we will all do our part in letting the world know. That's what we have to do. We have, it is our job. God did not do this in a way where the entire world saw it. He rec- a small group saw it, but He did record it in the Scripture. And God has ordained that those who have believed that we go and we share this message with other people and, it, and you know what? We can't make anyone get saved, can we? We can't make anybody get saved, but we can show them and hopefully, hopefully they will accept the goodwill. They will accept Jesus Christ. They will accept that offering that God made for sins and then there will be peace between them and God. And one of these days, when God does come to pour out His wrath, what do we believe here? Before God pours His wrath on this earth, what's He going to do? He's going to take us out first. He's going to take us out first. And I'm thankful for that. I don't, want, I don't want to deal with that. And so with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this wonderful story of Christmas. And Lord, help us uh, this time of year we'll, that we won't get all sidetracked with uh, traditions and things that uh, people have come up with. But we'll remember what it was really all about. It was about the goodwill offering that you gave to us. Lord, you paid our debt. Uh, for us, and you did it in the form of a, of, of a little baby that day. And Lord, we just thank you so much for this message. Help us to be thorough and uh, effective in spreading this message uh, that uh, of the gospel and good tidings of great joy. Pray we'll see many people saved as a result. In your name we pray. Amen.